You're in the zone. I've been a Chiefs fan now and I've, I've for my, my entire short life, and I haven't seen any quarterbacks that are out here ready to go rocket jeans commercial. I want Patrick Mahomes to have the ability to go absolutely crush a commercial selling denim. I want that for my quarterback. Gonna, with Jason Anderson. What are they going to do with his voice? Uh, it's uh, <laughs> Pat Mahomes with uh, Lee Jeans here. On Sports Radio 810. WHB. Rolling on in the zone here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Joshua Briscoe here with you. Beards McFly on the other side of the glass. Kent Swanson of KC Sports Network on the line as we speak. Kent! My friend, how are you feeling as Super Bowl week is finally here? It's upon us. Oh, man. Uh, it feels good. Uh, it feels real good. I was feeling a lot better until I heard that intro where, I mean, John, you are a little vain. You missed a perfect opportunity to do the update at the beginning of the hour and say, I'm Josh Briscoe. Now here's the incomparable Josh Briscoe. And you just blew it. Like, why didn't you just introduce yourself? I'm very disappointed in you. That's a great question. Um, it's the fact that there's just, look, there's a lot of spinning plates here. I know a lot of people believe that Jason really doesn't do much work around here. I mean, nine times out of ten, that's true. But every once in a while, it's like, ugh, if I have to bend over and pick up the piece of trash he dropped on the floor on the way out, you know, I got to do that. So this has just been my effort to keep the zone on the rails, which is usually um, the exact opposite of my goal on this show. We're off to a great start, buddy. I think we are. Uh, I think you're doing wonderful. You're doing wonderful, Solo. I I think you're doing great, buddy. Thank you so much. Uh, If I could just get a little... reassurance every, I don't know, every couple of questions from you, I I really think that would uh, do wonders for my psyche. That'd be very unlike our relationship. (laughs) That's true. Uh, That's true. It's what made you... That's that's out of character. It it made that effort that you just made there even more disorienting to me. Is like, wait a second. (laughs) Why is he being encouraging? What's the takedown going to be? It's going to be bad. Uh, how? First of all, first and foremost, before we get into Super Bowl week and all of the uh, the fun that comes with it, how was Vegas? How was the uh, the Shrine Bowl for the KCSN crew? Oh, uh, we had a absolutely phenomenal time. It was a lot of work. I mean, we were doing. We've got forty plus interviews with prospects that you're going to be seeing on KCSN in podcast videos throughout the throughout draft week. Uh, we got to do a, a ton of Chiefs content, obviously, because they not only were in the AFC Championship game but went to the Super Bowl. Um, we actually do it in a really like the blue wire studio. Uh, so we had a lot of fun. Um, I am still in recovery because that was a lot. <laughs> we yeah. were, we were going a hundred miles an hour for like 10 hours a day, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great time. Is it too late to look back on the AFC Championship game with you a little bit? Because uh, I did catch a little bit of uh, the post-game show that you guys did from out there, and it seemed like you had, I, I don't know, like a little energy and a few things to say about it. Josh, I, so we did a, <laughs> yeah, no, go go for it. We did a we did a watch party during the game, like a second-screen watch party, and then we did a post-game show. And I kept it real, real calm. <laughs> for the for the watch party, within twelve months of of angst of stupid Patrick Mahomes like narratives, uh, the audacity to compare the best player in the world, the best player of a generation, and dare I say the future goat to Joe Burrow was just 
Yeah, I, yeah, we can talk about that game all we want because, I mean, it's one of my favorite subjects is dunking on an inferior quarterback who has the audacity to think he's remotely close to him. So, sure, yeah. Well, then let's we can do that, and maybe some of this will apply to the Eagles as well for you because whatever, however much you need to connect it for it to make sense to you. That's, that's I just want you to be comfortable um, because again, I'm, I'm dipping back a little bit, but like you, you wrote about some of the um, more unsung heroes of that game, and this isn't the case around me because I have been if not literally singing, figuratively singing the praises of the rookie cornerback class for a while now. But specifically, man, what we saw from them at the end of the regular season, then through the playoffs, and, and especially when they end up out there with Nova Jarius Sneed across from uh, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and at least for a little while, while Tyler Boyd, all of those guys ended up literally getting their hands on the ball and, and making their impact felt in such a tremendous way that... We're a week away from AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, and I, I feel fine. Well, like, I think there's there's two things. Like, yes, I mean, this cornerback group has has played well throughout the season, and like that's a that's a big thing for this group. But it's also what they've had to do when they've had to do it is mm. such a big confidence builder that you're looking at a group that has is talented that started to figure it out over the season. You heard Jalen Jalen Watson saying, you know, what rookies. Well, it's it's that com- compounded with the fact that like you know they've proven themselves in, in the biggest moments where I think that's going to breed a lot of confidence. So this is a group that's not only talented that has got a lot of reps under the belt now, but also is just playing with with an elite amount of belief in themselves. Mm-hmm. And they should because they've made big plays. Yeah, and like the thing I love about the cornerback group that we saw in, in the AFC Championship game and it definitely carries over to this game for sure too is. There was a, such a short memory with this group that they gave up some plays at times, but they came back and continued to, to fight and continue to make plays as this, as the game went on. So, uh, I mean, Jalen Watson wasn't perfect, but man, Jalen Watson had some big moments, and, and the moment wasn't too big for him at all. And I think that's why you should be confident. You should feel good about this group heading into into the Super Bowl against really good receivers. How would that make you feel about the the rest of the defense kind of coming together? Because we did see Chris Jones wreaking absolute havoc. We, we did see Frank Clark making big plays. We it, it really was a a complimentary defensive effort. Is that uh, more concerning to you, knowing that the Eagles' offensive line is in a better place than the Bengals' O line? Oh, I I know. I, I they're definitely in a better place, but. Um... I still think everything that you've seen from the defensive side of the football, and I, I always go back to this this comment that Steve Spagnuolo made right after the 2019 Super Bowl that they won um, in the off season. They're just talking, and I think Tyron Matthew even talked about it. It's just like the, you you start from ground zero every year, you know, and it doesn't matter if you won the Super Bowl or not. Um, you, you're, you're starting from scratch with this group, even though there's a lot of familiarity in. You know, this is this was no, unlike no. You know, this is the same thing as every year. Is they start from ground zero and they build their way up, and they've been building to this moment. They've been, you know, giving you know, a lot of youngsters opportunities. As maddening as the approach that the Chiefs have had, you know, with some of their game decisions during the regular season, it's to give these guys reps and opportunities to win games for this football team because they knew they were going to need them today. They knew they were going to need them on Sunday. And, you know, I, I feel good regardless of the opponent that this group is building towards, you know, their best version of themselves. I think last week was about that. Uh, and I think it's just going to take another performance similar to what you just saw where, you know, confidence and, and, and execution on that side of the ball is going to do good things regardless of the fact that that offense is a unique challenge. 
On a one to ten scale, what's your uh, spagsativity rating right now? Uh, it's high. It's a it's a nine or a ten. I mean, what they did last week was great. Obviously, just having an elite pass rush is great. But I mean, Chris Jones was unbelievable. Uh, but the rest of that group was too. Um, but I just I, they did such a good job uh, in making adjustments to just take away easy completions for Joe Burrow. Yeah. Where I mean, they weren't putting. They weren't putting Nick Bolton in conflict. They were just making him go take somebody. Mm. You know, just take something away. Go pick something and take something away. And, you know, Spag is in his bag when it matters most. And Joe Colin, I think, deserves a raise um, <laughs> and a promotion if, if Steve Spagnola moves on. Um, but, I, yeah, I just I, – I, I, think, uh, I think this coaching staff's locked in, and I don't think that's going to be any different with two weeks to prepare – uh, I guess a very good Eagles team. Tell me a little bit more about taking away the uh, the easy stuff for Joe Burrow, and then again, yeah. if any of that's translatable to what the Eagles do. Well, I, I think it's just um, I think when you look at you know sometimes with some coverages, it can be very easy to guard grass. Mm-hmm. And I think um, you know I I think there's limitations at the linebacker position for guys like Nick Bolton, where mm-hmm. you know you you you're gonna. If you, if you if you have him covering grass, you don't have him covering anything. Yeah, then he's covering nothing. You know. Yeah. Um, and so I think you know there was. Just you don't have to be afraid to say that. By the way, that was super reasonable and like well logic. And your Mizzou yeah. fans aren't going to come get you for that. You're safe here. Jason's not here. I don't know about that. Jason's not here today. Can't. The, yeah, uh, the audacity to say he's not an elite coverage player. You know, How but. I, I looked at this group and I like some of the safeties and stuff that they were just kind of you know they're buzzing down, taking some stuff away. I just was really impressed with how specific they were with some of that stuff. Now, it's a little bit trickier with the Eagles because I think the Eagles put your linebackers in a very big bind. Mm. And so, you know, you, I don't know if they're going to be able to do the exact same thing. I think, you know, the, the Eagles, one of the things that they pride themselves on is putting a player in conflict, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it, giving, you know, Nick Bolton an opportunity to, to defend the run or cover. Which I think the Chiefs will probably have to have some curveballs where they're buzzing the safety down to, you know, to take away take away a run alley or or something like that. Um, but I, it's not going to be an apples to apples thing. But I think what you've seen is like this team will do things to try to get you out of what they're best at, yeah. and they're going to try to do things to disrupt how you operate as an offense. Which is I think what they were doing with, with Nick Bolton and the safeties last week is I think they did a good job of just committing to taking certain things away. And because the pass rush was getting home, um, Burrow wasn't having a chance to get off it to the backside of the play. Do you feel like there's a an obvious or even just like your preferred thing that you try to take away from the Eagles? Because being able to play... Being able to play and scheme defensively in an offensive way is really exciting to me. Like, hey, we, we want to go take this from you. But I, I wonder when you say, hey, how this is how good the Eagles are at, at making you do something you don't want to be doing, at putting a player like Nick Bolton in conflict. Is there a first step the Chiefs defense can take to be the aggressor there? Or is it going to be a matter of seeing what the Eagles show you first? I, this is going to sound crazy. I think I'd start to stop the run and turn yeah. this game into Jalen Hurts passing versus Patrick Mahomes passing. Yeah. Like I think that's the that's the route I would take where I would be very intent on trying to stop, stop the run. Yeah, you might put your big corner your big young corners uh in some one on one situations with an AJ Brown with a Devontae Smith. Um but here's the the dirty secret about uh about the NFC championship game 
is Jalen Hurts was bad. Hmm. Uh, he was not good. And he I, I, he doesn't look like the same kind of passer that he was before the injury. He's yeah. averaging six, point yard, six yards per attempt passing since coming back from that shoulder injury. So I'm not, I think Jalen Hurts has had an unbelievable season. I think he's a very good football player. I don't think he's an elite passer. And so if you can take away the run game and turn this into a drop-back game for the Eagles, um, I like the Chiefs' chances in that game. It's interesting because the thing that like gives me hives to think about is Jalen Hurts drops back, sees some space in the middle of the field, and then just takes off. Like We saw Russell Wilson do that a few times. I certainly believe that Jalen Hurts can. But if you're selling out to stop the run, is that is that also trying to spy Hurts whenever he does drop back and, and costing yourself a defender there, but, but being willing to do that for the trade-off? Or what are the consequences of, of potentially trying to play that way? I mean, the consequences are you can get beat on some big explosive plays because A.J. Brown's an absolute monster. Mm-hmm. I mean, so like I think that's one factor you got to take into consideration. Devontae Smith's proven to make some plays. Um, but even even those plays that they made last, last week uh, in the NFC Championship game were more about them than the passer. And yeah. I, how, how repeatable is that? Yeah. How repeatable is that kind of offense where, you know, some of these big catches are just miracles because Jalen Hurts is kind of all over the map. If you're disciplining your rush lane, which I think the Chiefs will be. Um, you know, it's a march to the quarterback as much as, it, you know, maybe Chris Jones gets to win quick mm-hmm. a little bit, let him let him do what he's doing. But it's a little bit more of a march to the quarterback, um, a little bit more contained rush. Like, I think that can kind of help mitigate that a little bit. And just because you're still out to stop the run doesn't mean that you don't have – eyes on him I, I play a lot of I mean you might you might you know you might play a lot of a zone coverage but you know add math to the to the box with the safety maybe it's a little bit more middle field close coverage where you're still getting eyes on the quarterback um, but you're you know but you're you're adding more math to the box you know I, I think I think there's some there's some strategies you can kind of employ there where um, you know there's some big plays to be had you're, you're relying on rookie cornerbacks uh, I, but man, I, I think you can still contain Jalen Hurts scrambling, and I think you can contain that run game. Well, you know, if if you sell out to do it, yeah. Uh, going back to the Eagles' offensive line a little bit, I, I I heard a hesitance in your voice when I when I uh, offhandedly mentioned that they're in a better spot than the Bengals are in. But I've been kind of wondering if we would crack this egg at any point this week. Where look, and these are not all offensive line stacks, uh, stats. Sometimes uh, sacks or quarterback stat. The Bengals ended up playing one fewer game, so you know, not not the the richest stat. But the Eagles and Bengals both allowed 44 sacks this season. And again, taking taking it at, it at face value for not being the richest stat in the world, it's not like the Eagles have been impossible to, to get past when it comes to getting the Jalen Hurts in a couple times. Also, Gardner Minshew again. But I, I have seen them be outrageous in the running game. I have seen them just move blocking sleds of real NFL players. But... Am I right to say that you you might be a little bit hesitant to say that the Eagles are the uh, the green curtain of death or whatever? Yeah, I don't think they're they're an impo- I don't think they're an immovable object. Mm. Uh, I think that they're a group that you can. I mean, look, they're they're hobbled for for one. Lane Johnson's mm-hmm. playing through some injuries. Um, you know, it's not like this is a you know completely healthy offensive line. Um, so there's that. Um, but, you know, also, like, Jalen Hurts is susceptible to taking sacks. Jalen Hurts is susceptible to, um, to pressure. We've seen him, and we've seen that to be the case this season. Um, and, you know, like, I think if, 
this, it's an outstanding scheme. It's a good offensive line. Do not. It's a, it's a great offensive line. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like they're playing at their at their fullest strength, and it's not like their quarterback is either. So like, yeah. the run game is elite. When Jalen Hurts is, you know, when they're confident running Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts is running confident. Well, Jalen Hurts since he came back from his injury, he's running the ball a decent amount, especially in the playoffs. His his yards per carries under four right now hmm. um, since 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 he came back from that injury. So um, everything has to kind of be working in, in conjunction with each other to get that, you know, dynamic version of, of this team. And I think, you know, the offensive line has been helped by that run game and how that run scheme has worked a little bit too. So it's, it's a little bit of both. But um, that's such a fence-sitting answer, but it's the truth. I, I think yeah. There's some things to be excited about this offensive line, and there's some things where I think you can poke holes in it. And, and that the, the latter part there is the reason that I ask it all, because I, I do think that there's a little bit of a mystique to that unit at this point that, that might be having some people assuming that we're not going to hear from uh, Frank Clark or George Karloftis all day. And I, uh, I mean, if that's the case, it would be bad news regardless. So um, we've also spent like this whole time going Chiefs defense versus Eagles offense, which is funny because... Like that's I'm I'm not asking you what you wanted to talk about. I just sort of pushed in that direction because I've I've been so intrigued by the Chiefs defense and I don't know how to feel about the Eagles offense. But meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes still plays football. I just don't know who's going to be catching all the passes from him. It seems like Legarius Sneed and Willie Gay are clearly on the right track. McCole Hardman very unlikely to play in this game based off what Andy Reid said last week. And you've got Juju with Schuster and Kadarius Tony with a knee and, and ankle slash hamstring respectively. What are you going to be looking for, not just on the injury report and practice this week, but if those guys are limited, how much does that change how you feel about the Chiefs' offense? What if it's MVS and Justin Watson out there making it happen? I I mean, obviously, I'd, I'd prefer if, if you're getting some, some time from Kadarius and Juju. Mm-hmm. Uh, even one of them, I think, just changes the complexion of what this offense is able to do. Yeah. Um, but, man, I... I, I don't know if I care, um, uh, especially, you know, like I, I think this group's still going to be able to put points on the board. I still think this offense is going to be able to, to um, you know, to move move the ball a little bit. Um, obviously, I think, you know, especially with the Kadarius Tony, I think the red zone offense could be really interesting. Mm. You know, I think that's one thing we really haven't looked at a ton is, you know, if Kadarius Tony is able, isn't able to be Kadarius Tony, one of him and McColl has always, you know, had some success in the red zone, you know, stretching the field horizontally, where you know, that's where the Chiefs have done a lot of really good work uh, when they're in the red zone. Is that is that stretch game? But um, even if, even without them, you know, we've seen this group kind of be able to move the football a little bit. The Chiefs are going to have two weeks to prepare for who's in and who's out and have some contingencies in place. Weirdly enough, like I'm not the biggest Justin Watson fan. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'd rather have him on the field than Marcus Kemp right. 10 times out of 10. So um, I think the Chiefs are going to have enough in place that they're going to be able to move the ball successfully regardless of who at the receiver position is there. Like this is always kind of built around Travis Kelsey and, mm-hmm. and the backs out of the backfield. And um, Marquez Valdez, Marcos Valdez scanning was outstanding. You know, like I, I think there's a path to success regardless of who's in and who's out. Um I you know, obviously would just prefer more 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 options at the buffet though. You don't sound very worried about much, Kent. That's sort of the vibe trying to get here. You don't seem very worried about much. I uh, I'm not, and it's not that I don't think the Eagles are a good football team. I I just 
I'm just what that team did last week against Cincinnati is just is remarkable, and it's repeatable because the guy playing quarterback mm-hmm. is playing quarterback this week. And like I think that's what we learned is like Patrick Mahomes on a bum ankle was still able to make things work. Where I don't like Josh. We haven't talked about this. I don't think the Chiefs were I, the, the play clock was because I don't think the Chiefs knew the call at times because of the mm-hmm. personnel issues that they were having. Like, I genuinely think at times it's the play call getting in, and they're having to tell Marcus Kemp what to run maybe a little yeah. bit. Like, MVS sure. is lining up all over this. Day. But they didn't matter. Mahomes just kept figuring out ways to win, and the Chiefs left a lot of points on the board. Like, that's the other thing that we don't talk about with that Bengals game. Like, if the Chiefs did not play their A game offensively, but they're still able to find a lot of success, I think I think this, I think this team's going to know how to handle you know, potential injuries a little bit better. And I think Mahomes is just not going to let this football team lose. So I'm not overly, I'm not stressed. And I feel really good about this game. Maybe I feel too good. I don't know. Yeah. You you just don't even, you don't even have that like little, uh, gnawing voice in the back of your head that's just like, maybe this week will be different for some reason, for no reason in, in particular. Something weird's going to happen. They're just going to come out flat. Like, because that, you, I mean, I was going to ask if you thought, why you're so confident it's repeatable, and then you told me why it's repeatable, because it's 15. But that feeling of, like, going back to the Raiders game in the regular, at the end of the, the, end of the regular season, going, oh, man, well, if that team just keeps coming out, and look, they, injuries notwithstanding, they... They kind of have. I just keep worrying that that the bottom is going to, if not fall out, just sputter at some point, and that a better team is going to be able to take advantage of that. But maybe the Eagles aren't going to be that team. Well, and like I, I go back to like the last Super Bowl the Chiefs played in. I felt pretty good about the Chiefs being able to mitigate the pass rush of of the of the Buccaneers mm-hmm. and what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't as I wasn't as supremely confident as I was today, but. I think if you're going to give me the options, I think I'd rather have some issues at pass catcher than at offensive line, and the Chiefs don't have issues at offensive line this year. Yeah. So um, they're they're you know they're going to give Mahomes a chance. I mean, Marcus Kemp was catching passes. Yep. He Big passes. passes in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. He was he was a he was a practice squad player. He wasn't he's not even on the 53 man roster. Like it's just like we, this dude found a way to win with whatever they had, with whatever was on the call sheet that they had available to him, and or to them, and and so, um, yeah, I just I, I like where this team is at. Um, I think the Eagles, like I, I, I'm buying what Brandon Ayuk was selling when he said, mm-hmm. you know, the Eagles are not this juggernaut defensively in the back end of their defense. They can be got. I 100% believe that the Chiefs can expose the back seven of that offense. I think Mahomes can have a big game, and I don't know if I necessarily care who's catching those passes. I think good things are going to happen. Is Jody Fortson running wide receiver routes if uh, if the Bengals don't claim Chris LeMond's? Like, is that what happened there? Is that the sliding doors moment? It's, it's, it's not Jody. I think it's, I think it's Marcus Kemp. Um, but I'm, I'm saying, is Marcus, Kemp, kind of... is Marcus Kemp even called up if the Bengals don't claim LeMond's? Oh, you see what no, I'm saying? Like, no, I don't think he's so. probably think not. So. I, you, 100%. I genuinely believe that the reason Marcus Kemp was called up is because they lost special teams ace Chris Lamont because the Bengals were trying to be petty, and yeah. pathetic, yeah. and it didn't work. And and the Chiefs had an extra receiver on the active roster that day because of it. I, I'm one. I'm lockstep with you, Matt. Uh, I'm, I'm lockstep with you, Josh. Almost, almost called you Matthew. Been talking to him all morning. You. You didn't. You didn't almost. Spears, go ahead and mark that. Not for cuts on Friday, but 
Yeah, made of really Uh-oh. no, just for just for me to have just whenever I get too high at any point, you know, when I feel like life's going too well, when I think you have that problem often, when I think <laughs> when I think I've got a real friend in Kent Swanson, I'm just so just was so excited to get to talk to him on a Super Bowl week Monday. We get all the way to about the end of the segment, and he calls me Matt. Um, you know. Uh, you got to keep you humble, buddy. I was too nice to you to start the show, so I kind of had to take you down there a little bit. All right, Craig, uh, can I get a prediction from you before we let you go? Uh, I think it's a lot of points scored uh, for the Chiefs. Let's just have some fun. I haven't predicted this game yet, uh, so you're, you're the first one to hear it. Give me 31-20 Chiefs, and yes, I know exactly what that score represents in Kansas City in Super Bowl. Give me 31-20 Chiefs. The third best member of the KC Lab podcast, and one of the uh, one of the members, no one will argue that, of the KC Sports Network, Kent Swanson. You can also follow him on Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson if you um, want some okay food takes and some really bad opinions about the best Chiefs Twitter follows out there. Uh, Kent, appreciate you joining us as you have throughout the season. I really enjoyed our conversation for about the first 22 minutes. I'm going to have a nice long sit in silence in the commercial break, and maybe I'll talk to you again someday in the future. Uh, I appreciate you having me on, Jason. That's one of the KC Sports Network guys. I've already forgotten which one. I was going to make a joke about him not even having hair that good but I wasn't able to lie to the audience like that. That one was a bridge too far even for me. Kent Swanson, KC Sports Network. We'll take a break. Come back. Keep talking about the Super Bowl a little bit. Is that good with you? Good with you? Good with you? Everybody? Super Bowl next? No, I'm good. All right. Two and a half hours of Kyrie talk with Beards. I'm leaving, but Beards will... We're either going to come back. Either I'll be in this chair and we'll talk about the NFL or we'll switch chairs and Beards is going to talk to you about the NBA. Cross your fingers and wait through the break. You're in the zone. I was in Las Vegas for like 20 minutes, and I I did I did get naked in the Las Vegas airport. With Jason Anderson. Not completely naked. I was sort of Winnie the Poohing. On Sports Radio 810 WHB. The next time I was in a Las Vegas airport, I almost uh, left some equipment behind, ran like, sprinted like two miles, and almost... Was uh, that Vegas? Yeah. Ta, ta, it was, right... It was in the it was in the same airport. It was in like the Vegas Tahoe sort of airport on the way back from LA. We went LA to Vegas and then I left equipment at the Shake Shack in the Vegas airport. This is my second time to the Vegas airport. And then So they both been eventful. Sprinted back to go get it. Sprinted back. Anybody in the history of air travel ever have a plane board and then attempt to take off ahead of schedule? Because I don't think that's ever happened to me. And it was happening that day. At least I'm over it. Have I been on a plane since then? I'm not sure. I might be done with planes. I might be done with airports. I needed a, I needed a shuttle. Anyway. Uh, Joshua Briscoe and Beards McFly with you as Jason is currently on the way to Arizona. He'll be live from Radio Row all the rest of the week. But me and Beards get to uh, run the castle today. I've got some good news. I'm going to offer you a chance to get some free meat in one second, and then we'll get to some uh, Super Bowl previewing as well. Don't open the phones yet, Beards. Hold on just a second, because I want to tell you where it's coming from. Don't worry. I want to tell you where it's coming from first, and then we're going to open the phones to callers number 8, 10, 
and 57. Beards is waving me off. 8, 10, and 15. We'll do 15 for Patrick Mahomes instead of 57 for Super Bowl 57 because Beards has a job to do. So in a second, phones are still blocked right now. Although over the air, once there's a delay, who's to say? If you call 913-3810-810, callers 8, 10, and 15 will win a $30 Kingdom Bundle from our friends over at hy V. That includes a 10-cent fuel saver, four boneless chicken breasts, four boneless pork chops, four bratwursts, and four chuck patties. That's including hy V's best beef. We've been out to hy V for a whole bunch of things over the course of the season. Had some delicious, delicious meat from hy V, And you can get it yourself. Callers number 8, 10, and 15... We'll need to get your info and then also your preferred High V location. You're gonna have to you pick it up Friday or Saturday between 9 a.m. Friday and uh, 5 p.m. Saturday. Got that window to go pick it up from your local High V. High V of your choosing. You can tell Beards that in a second. If you are caller number eight, number ten, or number fifteen, you get High V's best beef. Their thirty dollar kingdom bundle. Yours for free. If you call in right now, 913-3810-810. Beards, the gates are open, but before you start taking those calls, could you hit one more button for me? Because we've been talking about the Chiefs' young defense and really what Steve Spagnuolo in particular has done. Got a few minutes of analysis from Benjamin Solak of The Ringer on The Ringer NFL Show talking about what Spags has done this year that has really made him an absolute must-know storyline headed into Super Bowl 57. Put some respect on Steve Spagnuolo's name, especially when it comes to playoff football. Here's some stats for you. In the last four years, the Chiefs have played 11 playoff games with Spags as their defensive coordinator. Only twice have they had a success rate above 50% allowed to the opposing offense. Nine out of 11 games, success rate below 50% for the opposing offense. Uh, The Eagles this year uh, on offense averaged 0.1 EPA in the regular season. Nice round number. Only three times in 11 games did the Chiefs defense give up a worse uh, EPA per play to the opposing offense than that point one than what the Eagles averaged this year. And guess what? The Chiefs won all three of those games. They didn't even lose those games so the defense gave up those points. Last but not least, uh, Eagles this year, 2.59 points per drive. Only four of the 11 games that Spax has coached has the opposing offense done better than that number. And, you know, yes, the Chiefs did play the Steelers in the wild card round of last year. I acknowledge that that was an event that occurred. I know that that's juking the numbers here a little bit. But overall, I mean, this is, you know, a Super Bowl against the Buccaneers, a Super Bowl against the 49ers, the Bengals multiple times, Josh Allen, the Bills multiple times. This is really, really, really stiff competition. And when you go and you try to look and understand how this is happening, what's cool is that you don't see anything. You don't see, oh, wow, they really ramp up their blitz rate relative to their season average. Sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. You don't see, oh, they start running more nickel and more dime than they did in in, in past seasons. They do actually run a little bit more dime, but it's not enough to be like, this really matters. You know, you don't see something where it's like, oh, they start really pressing these buttons. Like even like Daniel Sorensen. Remember when you're all making fun of Daniel Sorensen, their safety last season? They still are just playing him in, in, in the postseason, right? Reduced snaps, but it was something they did in the regular season. It's not like they just like take him off the field and they hide him. So you, you start asking yourself, why is this defense performed so well in the postseason relative to the regular season? And when you go into the numbers and try to find a theme, 
you really don't locate anything. It's just they, they tend to be really good getting off the field on third downs. And then what you've seen in the past two games this postseason is they get takeaways. Four takeaways in, in, in the past two games they've played. One of them, kind of like an end of the game, no nothing against the Jaguars when the Jags are trying to get back, you know, down 10 late, whatever. Uh, down 17, I should say, actually late. But it, in general, they've done a really nice job taking the football away with rookie defensive backs. Uh, and so Spags, who's been in the league for forever, man, I was kind of like wondering, like, why doesn't he have any... And he like, you know, like had coaching buzz. Okay. Like the Rams, you know, stint was so bad, but that was over a decade ago. You don't realize how long Spags has just been around as a defensive coordinator. But back to his days with the Giants, so much playoff experience. Spags is just rock steady when it comes to playoff performance, especially for these chiefs where his defenses know, listen, we just got to get a couple of drives. You know, we're going to give us some touchdowns. It's okay. We got to get a sack and force a punt and flip the field position. We got to get a turnover and generate a short field. Our ask isn't that big. This offense will handle itself, right? Those two losses that the Chiefs did suffer in the playoffs, Bucks, uh, 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 Super Bowl, and then Bengals AFC Championship game last year. Well, the offense really struggled in both of those games, right? And so usually like when the offense works, this Spags defense does enough to get the job done, beat legit playoff opponents. I think the, uh, the fourth coordinator, the one who's getting the least amount of attention, really deserves some love. Spags in the playoffs is lights out. Isn't that fascinating? I think there's like half a dozen things in that chunk that is really instructive of where we're at right now. First of all, just a note that of all of the four coordinators in this game, Spag's absolutely getting the sort of least national hype. I think it's a good call. I think it's interesting that in the Chiefs' playoff losses, of which there mercifully have not been very many, the Buccaneers Super Bowl and the Bengals AFC Championship game. You, you couldn't ask for much more from the defense in the Super Bowl. There was just not that much more they could do. And to at least a decent extent in the AFC Championship game against the Bengals last year. Those weren't games where the defense let them down. Those were games where the offense did. The, the Chiefs' defense has not been the cause of a playoff loss since Spags got to town. And just kind of an interesting way of framing it that, frankly, I hadn't thought of. More schematically speaking, how wild is it that there just isn't much to look at in terms of what Spags, like, starts doing differently come playoff time? At least personnel-wise. Now we've we've seen him do some things. I'm talking last segment with uh, with Kent, finding ways to make Joe Burrow uncomfortable by taking away the easy stuff. What what that says to me is that the the end result from what Solak says there is that there's no real theme as to what they've done differently. No no button they keep mashing in the playoff run. But they're a lot better at getting off the field on third down and creating more takeaways. A little more dime, but not like a crazy theme. On one side, look, takeaways aren't always super predictable. They're not prescriptive. You don't you don't necessarily know when the takeaways are coming. You can't just decide to do a takeaway, right? You can decide to blitz or decide to go to dime or decide, you know, to stay in base, but you can't just decide. We're running the play for a takeaway now. You can do some things to put your, your thumb on the scale, but 
So that part might just be a little bit of randomness that the Chiefs have been in control of. But when it's not personnel, and it's not schematic in the more blitzing, less blitzing, more aggressiveness, less aggressiveness sense, where is it coming from? If they're better getting off the field on third downs and creating turnovers, where is that coming from? We got a good sample size here. 11 playoff games for Spags' defense in Kansas City. And only twice they've allowed a better than 50% success rate to the opposing offense. 11 of those games and only three times did the Chiefs allow a better EPA per play than what the Eagles have been averaging this year. If it's not just like execution and coaching coming home to roost for this part of the playoff run, which I think is probably my number one pick for what the uh, the explanation at this point is. Guys getting more comfortable and understanding the system better by playoff time. If it's not just that, it's a it's a form of prioritization from Spagnolo. It, it's a matter of this is the way we're going to dial things up today because I just we're playing chess and I can't put extra queens on the board. We all got the same pieces. They know what pieces we're playing with. But if I can make you react to something you weren't expecting to see, and maybe that's scouting in a different sense, right? Just showing, something like showing a simulated pressure and then bailing out of it. Even that we can track now. And the reason that I wanted to pull that clip from Solak is because he really does, he knows the ins and outs of the schematic things. And if there was anything he was seeing that changes from Spags in the regular season to the postseason, I really believe that he would have found it. But again, that then leads me to believe that it is some combination of these players executing at their peak by the end of the season, which I think is very logical, specifically this year, with all these rookies, right? Makes a lot of sense that this would be the time of year that your first-year players who now resent the label of being rookies, which I think is, like, they've earned it. It's kind of corny if you haven't earned it. It's kind of cool if you have. And George Karloftis is not in the regular season since. He, he's not a rookie anymore. Now, Trent McDuffie still would be. That's nitpicky, I guess. But, like, George Karloftis got a full regular season of games in. I can't remember who it might have been. I don't know if it was Mick or Jason who mentioned it. Or somebody mentioned, like, hey, this is, you're, you're like, deep in year two of your college football season. Just by number of games and length of season. These guys really do have the experience now. And this goes back to me fundamentally believing that Steve Spagnuolo is a good coach. I know. How dare I? You've got to build these guys up as you go to get them to a point where you are having them play useful, good enough football through the first, whatever it may be, 12 weeks of the regular season, building a little bit as you go. Then by the time you arrive for the playoffs... You're saying, hey, Jalen Watson, seventh round pick a few months ago. Could you go uh, body up with T. Higgins for me? Could you go run with Jamar Chase? Because all we got out here are dudes that we drafted in April. And you might want to not want to be rookies anymore, but this is your second playoff game. You ready for it? And without fail, they all were. 
Now, look again. I, I don't need an excuse to talk about Chris Jones anymore. Um, I will. I will force that narrative in. It is it, for anyone that wants to hear it, or anyone who doesn't want to hear it. Frankly, I'll talk about how vital Chris Jones was to this defense in the AFC Championship game happily. But that was my first takeaway right after the game Monday and Tuesday last week. Now that we're here now and we're kind of in storyline mode, just what what these rookies have done, I just think is outrageous and I think it could play in to what you're seeing there and why Spags's defenses play really good in the playoffs without necessarily doing anything obviously differently we'll take a quick time out here in the zone Joshua Briscoe and Beers McFly flying solo with you here so I mean both of us we're running duos instead of trios today I look Jason's on his way to Phoenix Radio Row Zone starts tomorrow morning. But in the meantime, me and Beards are here with you, getting ready for Super Bowl 57. And then maybe we'll talk some other nonsense across the way as we go as well. Field Yates in about 10 minutes. Mick Schaefer later on. It's The Zone here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. The Zone with Jason Anderson. All right, really quick, we got to go to a break here. But hold on, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakwool. How do you spell squeakwool? On Sports Radio 810 WHB. Beards, give me the sweeper. We got some breaking news from the Chiefs here on this first day of Super Bowl week. Some good news, bad news. We'll start with the downside of it. Wide receiver McCole Hardman has been placed on the reserve injured list per the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, His season is officially over. Mentioned earlier in the show that it seemed like that was likely the path for him as uh, Andy Reid was very pessimistic about his ability to play in the Super Bowl. So McCole Hardman to IR. And the Chiefs have activated running back Clyde Edwards-Hilaire off of IR. I thought it was interesting, this tweet on January 30th, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire tweeted, LOL, leave me alone. Been running for like a month and a half, LOL. Not my call. Second and three, three years, though. I love it. Gold heart emoji. Red heart emoji. So it sounds like Clyde's been physically perhaps ready to play now for a while, according to himself. So it'll be really interesting to see. It doesn't seem like the Chiefs were in any hurry to get him back out there. I'm guessing that they are happy with the Pacheco-McKinnon one-two punch, but will Clyde be active for the Super Bowl? Ronald Jones, perhaps? Something to continue to unpack for the rest of the week. We'll talk about that and some more things leading up to the Super Bowl with Field Yates of ESPN next.